Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Film Nerd Podcast. I'm Vince and I am joined once again by repeat guests Mikey Bear, Daniel Middleton, here to talk tonight about the Suicide Squad, the latest DCEU installment. How are you guys doing? Mikey, how are you? Doing swell, man. Yeah, doing, doing pretty good. Been pretty busy, but uh, made some time for the movie. We actually went and saw it in IMAX. So I'm very jealous that you saw yeah. that. Danny boy. Awesome. How are you? Uh, just dental school. Dental school is kicking my ass right now. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Uh, I got a little break coming up here for about nine, ten days, which would be nice. But uh, dude, we, we started the clinic back in um, back in June, and it's just like a whole new world going from the diet portion to this. And now we have... If I class on top of the clinic and it's just, I don't know, man, it's just a whole new world. So it's, uh, plugging away. It's taking some adjustments, still get used to it, but it's, it's going as good as it can. Yeah. Well, how about yourself? How are you and the kids? Oh, I, I'm busy as well. I just, I was just talking to you guys before we started recording here, coaching football. We're back, ready, ready to go, rock and rolling, almost done with a week of camp here. And, uh, yeah, between that and dealing with kids, Chloe, our youngest, our four month old, wasn't, uh, was having a sleep regression earlier this week. So trying to coach uh, and not on a lot of sleep kind of sucked. But the last two nights, knock on wood, she slept through the night again. So that was good. So hopefully I can just continue take, just to get sleep. Just out of the kids. I'm, just, I'm, 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 I'm your athletes. I'm your athlete. Just oh, on the athletes. I thought, I thought you meant my kids. Take my <laughs> no, anger. No, 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 no. <laughs> Beat up a 16-month-old and a 4-month-old and go to jail. Nice. Yeah. Nice advice, well, Daniel. Or like a 16-year-old. <laughs> Oh yeah, make uh make the kids run, condition the the players. Yep. Oh, yeah. Damn it, I had to get sleep oh, yeah. last night on the line. Well, as we told you, they, as I was telling you, with the numbers down, trust me, lots of conditioning because those guys are gonna be playing a lot. Don't really have much of a choice. But we're not here to talk about football. As much as I would like to talk about football, we're gonna talk about a movie. Uh, and before we get into this movie, so we're gonna talk about the Suicide Squad. The the Suicide Squad. Important distinction because before we talk about this one, we 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 would be remiss not to bring up 2016's Suicide Squad. No, the from David Ayer. Um, I watched Mas- it. Op- What'd you say? Masterpiece. Oh, uh, the opposite. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> My brother and I went and saw it opening night. Mikey and I were talking about this a little bit before we started, uh, and we were really pumped to see it. 
And I remember going in with kind of mixed expectations because as Mikey and I were just saying, the original trailer for Suicide Squad 2016 was really compelling. And then there was a second trailer that came out with the, uh, excuse me, was it Bohemian Rhapsody was being played over it? And it was like, seemed like, okay, are they trying to be like Marvel now? And uh, so I wasn't really sure what to to expect going in. I just remember, I just told Mikey this story. My brother and I went and saw it. Halfway through the movie, my brother leans over and goes, dude, this movie sucks. Do you want to leave? <laughs> and I go, yeah, this is pretty bad. But I was like, let's just stick it out. We just finished it. Him and I, I remember, walked out just ranting and raving about how horrible it was. Uh, we hated it. I I have not watched it since. Um, Daniel, I think you saw, you saw it too, right? When it first came I didn't out? See it in, I didn't see it in theaters. But okay. I it, uh, Mikey just rewatched part of it. So Mikey's <laughs> fresh on what, half? You watched almost half of it? Yeah, about yeah, about 45 minutes of it this morning. Yeah, you texted me and said you were going to try and rewatch it, and I go, oh, fuck, good luck, man. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't I, touched I that with a 10-foot pole since it, it came off. out. I had to turn it off. I couldn't even do it. <laughs> yeah, that's so, a... And... I've had the... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, sorry. No, you're good. Go ahead. You finish. I, I was, I was going to say, I've had the, the, the one... The wonderful opportunity of seeing it two and a half times now. <laughs> like I should not have seen it that many times. Oh, you point. before you tried but, to watch half of it, you had seen it twice before already. Yes, that's correct. Oh, <laughs> Oof, yeah. I can't believe you watched it and then sat through it a second time. I did you watch all the DC movies, Mikey? At one point, you really like, yeah. We just did a marathon. Okay, earlier oh, this yeah, yeah, that's right. I think I remember you saying that you did that earlier this year. Was that before we did the Justice League? Yeah, yep, just before Justice League. Oh, that's right. I think I remember you telling me that. But I, personally, I have no interest to ever revisit that film because I had such a horrible theater experience with it. I just remember being so disappointed and there was so much about it I just could not stand. (coughs) Excuse me. And the thing Mikey and I were talking about before we started recording here is David Ayer now on Twitter and, and even before David Ayer started getting vocal is a lot of his fans after the the Zack Snyder Justice League cut was released, which obviously we all talked about that a few months ago, and we all liked it quite a bit more than the Joss Whedon cut. Um, There was kind of, there was some more, you know, publicized and well-known issues with the production of Justice League opposed to Suicide Squad. Most of it's been speculation, but as Mikey and I kind of talked about before Daniel joined us was um, allegedly, I don't know the truth to this, but allegedly, the company that cut the second trailer came in and cut the film for the theatrical release. So they had a trailer company edit and finish cutting the final product. And David Ayer supposedly had an original cut that he says was a completely different movie. And who knows? And now with, you know, Justice League being a big, the recut of that being a big success, the Suicide Squad, which we'll talk about in just a moment here, being a big success. All these people are clamoring and screaming and yelling on Twitter and online about release the Ayer cut, right? Like they did the release the Snyder cut hashtag forever. So now they're trying to get Ayer's cut released. Um, But Mikey, you said that you read or heard somewhere that there wasn't really any saving the movie because apparently test audiences, even with his cut, supposedly didn't like it. Yeah, that's that's what I heard. There was a producer that just came out like today or yesterday and said, you know, he's like, Ayer, you can keep tweeting whatever you want, but we tested both versions of the film, your Ayer cut 
and then our cut, and they tested exactly the same crap. So, like, <laughs> so they just had to release one of them. Yeah, they just they kind of mixed together both of them for the final cut, and Ayer's like, this is not my movie. I have a masterpiece. <laughs> oh, God. Well, like you and I talked about a little bit, Ayer's not some, like, auteur, like, legendary filmmaker. Like, yeah, he wrote Train Day. We talked about how he did... I like End of Watch and Fury. He did both of those. And... Uh, there might be maybe another one I have to look online. What else? But I mean, the guy's not some world renowned filmmaker. So it's like, re- what's really hiding up your sleeve here. Right. Whereas James Gunn has kind of had some, some big hits. I mean, obviously guardians of the galaxy one and two are pretty big hits and kind of, you know, sleeper hits really in the MCU. Cause they're just like suicide squad. They're kind of very weird, obscure stories within their own universe. Um, and then James Gunn, before he got into Marvel, he made some really bizarre movies. I haven't had a chance to see some of them. Um, Slither is one of them. Yeah, I really want to watch that one. And He's had a few after his Marvel debut, debut that are supposedly okay, like Brightburn. And, uh... I thought he was just a producer and writer on that. I don't think he directed it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I think he just produced and wrote and was like a co-writer. I think someone else directed Brightburn. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, Literally, I do want to kind of claim to fame. But that was like one of his early movies. Yeah, it was like he yep. did some horror movies. So I would like to check out more of his stuff. Um, I guess with that, we can. I don't really want to spend a lot of time talking on David Ayer's Suicide Squad. I just thought it was worth bringing up. Um, regardless, a little bit more introduction to the Suicide Squad. Uh, I think it's worth mentioning that James Gunn was hired to do this kind of standalone sequel. It's not. It's not a direct sequel. It's in the same universe, but you can. You don't need to watch one or the other. You can watch them both separately um, without, you know, there's no really tie-ins to the films other than just the characters. Um, but James Gunn was fired. I don't know if you guys remember. Not long after Guardians of the Galaxy 2, some online lives in his mom's basement, social justice warrior superhero, went deep diving into his Twitter page and found tweets from like 10 years but prior of him like making really messed up jokes like really disturbing dark jokes and and they were they were yeah they were they, pretty fuck, they were pretty fucked up but yeah he was all, he's also a comedian he's not just like saying yeah. to say things like yes well and if you look at his early films again a lot of them were like really gory horror horror comedy films like he has a very dark side to him dark comedy in terms of his you know interests in entertainment he has a darker interest in terms of entertainment very bizarre and obscure and weird um and yeah you know some of them were a lot of it was really messed up stuff but it's not like it was things he was doing he was just making tweets and trying to be funny whether you think it's funny or not you know is a different story Um, but he got fired from marvel and they said he wasn't going to do volume three He's back now and he is doing volume three. Apparently it's supposed to come out next year or the year after or whatever. But um, then he got picked up by DC to do this sequel. Um, And so it was supposed to come out last year, I believe. Mm -hmm. I think, right? It was supposed to come out, I think, at the end of last year. And they pushed it um, to this year, obviously, as most things got um, um, delayed from COVID. So The Suicide Squad, we can go ahead and dive into it, right? 2021. DCEU, the DC Extended Universe superhero film, right? And it's just, if you haven't seen the other one or if you don't know anything about it, 
I would recommend checking this movie out. It is streaming on HBO Max right now, or as like Mikey said, you'd see it in theaters. I would love to see it in a theater, but with my schedule, it's just kind of too hard to get to one right now. So uh, fortunately, I was able to watch it twice in HBO Max in the last week. Um, but basically, it is a superhero team of villains hired or not hired, but uh, brought together in prison by. Um, uh, oh, what's her name? Viola Amanda Davis's Waller. character, which is Amanda, Amanda Waller. Waller. Yeah. And um, basically to get time off their sentence, get time off their sentence, you know, get maybe get out early. And mm-hmm. uh, right. They put a bomb in their neck. And uh, if you try to take off, they blow it up. So then the problem, one of the biggest problems I had with the first Suicide Squad movie is they made it this like grand world ending conflict in that one where like wouldn't that be something you'd have like Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman fighting? Like, why would you have this ragtag group of stupid supervillains fighting this world ending creature? Like Mm -hmm. this movie, as we'll get into it has a much more grounded kind of secret black ops mission. And it does. And it doesn't at the end. And, you know, it's kind of until you watch it, you don't really realize, but I don't know about you guys. I love this. I had an absolute blast with it. I watched it again. I rewatched it this morning and I, I was laughing my ass off again. It is funny um, and wildly entertaining, super weird. You got to appreciate that a $185 million movie has an enormous cartoony looking starfish with one eye alien, like <laughs> shooting little mini aliens out of its armpit. Yeah, Mikey, I was going to mention it. I, when, I guess it's appropriate now in your background. You got Starro the Conqueror in your background there <laughs> but man and i love 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 that they let james gunn go all out in terms of the gore the swearing like this is full-on hard r like don't take your kids to this unless you i guess don't care if they see people getting eaten ripped apart heads cut in half faces blown off well it's uh, like part of the movie it's like it's like a meme for part of it like they just like they troll on other movies throughout the entire thing going on. Like, do you remember they called the giant star thing like a kaiju? Yes. Like, whatever. Like, they got a kaiju up in this shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought that was like really clever and funny. Just like, and there was other little pieces like that throughout the whole movie, but I just thought it was like trolling other movies kind of. <laughs> so you, so you did enjoy it overall though? Yeah. I thought overall it was, I mean, it wasn't great, but I, it wasn't, it was a fun movie. It was a fun movie. It was, it was enjoyable. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was enjoyable. Um, Mikey, I think um, I think this is my favorite DCEU movie to date. Like, and and that was hard to that was hard for me to say because Man of Steel holds a a, a spot in my heart. <laughs> but I know you two both really like that one. This is a better movie than that movie. Um, lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I had, a, I had a blast. I had a blast. This was the best IMAX experience I've ever had. We had like perfect seats in there. There, I think there were like six or seven people in the theater total. So it was like perfect crowd. No one talked or anything. Yep. No idiots. Um, it, yeah, it was just, it was amazing. I, I loved this movie from start to finish. There's a couple things throughout it, you know, I had issues with, but overall just phenomenal movie. I mean, I think this is honestly the freshest comic book movie I've seen since maybe Endgame, which I think is, that came out two years ago at this point. So. Yeah, two, just over two years ago. Yeah. Yep. Not, so not too long ago, but this is definitely the freshest superhero thing I've seen since Endgame. Um when you yeah, say freshest, you just mean in terms of like, like wow, new, that sticks out. Like, yeah, yeah that just sticks stuck out. out. They, did, yeah. they did new, different things. They separated themselves from the pack, especially other DCEU movies. It was, um, and see, like, what you're explaining is they were bold, you know? Like, yeah, I guess oh, they yeah. just, like, tried new things, and I, I respect that, you know, and in uh, a lot of movies and stuff like that. Um, just James Gunn was just, able to, like, apply his sick and twisted humor to <laughs> Instead of putting it oh on my Twitter, god put it into this movie and it was just beautiful <laughs> dude that we gotta i guess we could open up by talking about some of the 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 visual humor in this movie there is so much great obviously there's some funny dialogue but the there's more than one sequence in this movie that like you're like where are they going with this and then they yeah. play it for a punchline and you're like wow they played out that whole sequence yeah. for a joke like the harley quinn sequence we're like, where the hell are they going with this? And then she just shoots him in the chest. Yeah, the guy that wants to him. marry her. I was like, I started laughing at my ass. I'm like, yes. I'm like, that was perfect. I'm like, you're playing this off. Like, like, where is this going? And then it just ends with the punchline being that she's like, I'm trying to make big changes in my life. And yeah, you know, I could have let you go. But <laughs> the red flag was killing kids. Yeah. <laughs> So that scene, that's actually one of my like few beefs with the movie. I, I love the, what the punchline was, but I think that scene went on for maybe a little too long. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the few scenes that yeah. like the movie started to drag a little bit. I'm glad that the the it was a punchline. Like I'm glad yeah. it wasn't like a plot thread that was like extended. Like yeah. But you're right. There is and actually I was before we started recording, I was reading some of the post production notes on this film. Apparently that scene was longer. Because uh, the original cut of this movie, I think, was like almost three hours. So James Gunn went through and cut out like over a half an hour, apparently. And a big chunk was some of the stuff with Harley Quinn. So he said that, yeah, he felt it was too much. Yeah. So he I had mean, already maybe cut it down. You watched it twice. Maybe that scene is funnier upon rewatch. But like it did drag like, a little bit on rewatch. I felt like that scene kind of took me out of like the flow of the movie a little bit. Yeah. But other than that, I mean. I don't know. It was the punchline just made it completely. <laughs> Dude, another another like drawn out scene that just ends as a huge like dark joke is when they kill all the resistance fighters. Yes. Oh my god. Oh, yeah. I Carol uh my wife if you're listening, Caroline's my wife. We were watching uh when we watched when I watched it the first time uh earlier this week she was watching with me and she laughed at that scene too like <laughs> she was like oh my gosh i was i just was like crying laughing when i realized that they're like as soon as they open the tent after they kill all those freedom fighters and rick flags just sitting there chilling and they show they they cut to the the one woman and i think they had shown her earlier right or no 
Or no, they hadn't revealed yet that she was so. part of the resistance. Uh, but when I saw them cool. chilling, I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, <laughs> did they just like, because the, I had to assume that they're not the government that they're going after. I'm like, oh, yeah. God, they just killed allies. Oh, that whole sequence <laughs> is, is typical crazy. Americans come in guns blazing. Yep. <laughs> that would be great, too, though, because, I mean, that was like the first time that we saw Peacemaker and uh, um, Idris Elba. Bloodsport. Blood Bloodsport going up against each other, like basically measuring dicks, kind of. And like, that was funny, you know. And they show <laughs> a dick in that scene. Constantly. Speaking of dicks, yeah, they do full full frontal nudity in that scene. Yeah, just I was randomly. Like, how many hundred and eighty five million dollar movies exist where there's uh, full frontal male nudity? I bet you this is the first. It was just has so to be. unnecessary, but I laughed my ass off when Dude, I saw that. <laughs> this has to be the most expensive movie ever made with full frontal male nudity. Has to be. There's no there's no way. This I think it's gotta be the most expensive R-rated movie ever made. I'd be curious. I have to go look, but like <laughs> you gotta you have to appreciate, pun intended, the balls <laughs> on yeah. this movie. Like to just like like Hang you know what? There. Yeah, we don't care. Let it hang all out there. Yeah, yeah that's like, my, my point. <laughs> but I just love that they just don't care. They're like, you know what? If you're offended or you don't like it, deal with it. <laughs> We're having a good time. Uncensored, you know, yeah. unadulterated. Like, this is just purely James Gunn. Like, they took the rain. They took the chains off and said, do whatever you want to do. I mean, if you go online, he's sole writing credit. Um, no one else's credit. He wrote this as the only credited writer. So... I mean, he really yeah. did get to do what he wanted here. <laughs> yeah, and he, he tweeted also that like Warner Brothers did not touch this movie. He said, "This is my vision, one hundred percent." So, well, and I think Warner Brothers has probably learned um, to stay out of this. Stay out of after yeah. Suicide Squad, not the Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. They've yeah. probably learned their lesson and Justice League between yeah. the Joss Whedon Justice League and the mess of David Ayer's Suicide Squad. I think they learned their lesson pretty quickly. Like, hey, let creatives do their thing. And they're probably looking at Marvel. And let's be honest, Marvel at this point, it's getting pretty stale visually because I don't think outside of James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy films, I don't feel like Marvel gives a lot of their their directors much creative leeway. Taika Waititi with Thor Ragnarok stands out a little bit, right? Um, they're, they're starting to do it a little bit more. Like um, the Eternals, I've heard. Um, they basically gave full creative control to Chloe Zhao. Yeah. Especially after seeing uh, her Nomad, recent- yeah, yeah, Nomadland, which was the yeah. Best Picture winner. Yep. Um, yeah, I'll be curious to see that one if they really do give her full creative control. I'm also really curious to see Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange because mm-hmm. Sam Raimi was acclaimed for the two Spider-Man films. Um, you know, Spider-Man three is like, eh, but like Spider-Man one and two, um, and po- speaking of studio interference, I know we're getting a little bit off topic here, but apparently Spider-Man three was a result of studio interference, but they gave him a lot of leeway with those two Spider-Man films and they're great. They're beloved. So I'm hoping they don't put the reins on Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange, but DCEU, honestly, if they continue to make movies like this, I they're going to surpass Marvel for me. Um, between the, the the Justice League movie that came out with Zack Snyder's stamp of approval, I really like that a lot. Um, this new Suicide Squad movie, um, you know, I don't know what, what else you, is in the works, but... What did you... Did you see the newest uh, Wonder Woman, that second one? Did you ever see that one? 
I did not. I think I told you guys that I wasn't a huge fan of the first Wonder Woman movie, and I yeah. saw that the new one got a lot of negative reviews. So I'm like, if it's like not being the first one was acclaimed, like had really positive reviews, and I was not really a fan of it. So I'm like, I'm probably not gonna like the sequel. Uh, so I just you didn't can watch it. it though. Just I mean, you're a completionist. You gotta you gotta see all the DC yeah. movies. So let's put this way: my I, I think it's on HBO Max, so I might as well watch it. I enjoyed the first one. Um, I, I thought it was. I thought it was okay. I thought. I thought I enjoyed it. Um, my mom enjoyed it too, and she saw the second one, and she said it was awful. So, and my wow. mom. If your mom, mom said lo- it was awful, your mom, mom likes everything. Exactly. I know she does because I was getting arguments well, with her. Yeah. <laughs> so she, I mean, so if she says it's bad, like you know, it's it's. I don't know. If she says it's bad, then it probably isn't very good. It's currently second to last on my list, with Suicide Squad being last. Yeah. So. Well, I'll probably check it out at some point. Um, but let's get back to a good DC movie. We got a little sidetracked there. But uh, <laughs> so another kind of going back to some of the visual humor. Uh, and we, Mike, you and I were kind of talking about the difference between the or rather the negative um, surrounding the opening of the original Suicide Squad. And in terms of it was just so poorly done because Fair. they they spent, like you said, 45 minutes. You just rewatched it. You said literally... Yeah. More than a half an hour of the opening of the film is just dedicated to just introducing all the characters, and it's so ham-fisted. And and it's ridiculous. Just watched it today. I turned it off after forty-five minutes, which is literally when the movie starts. They spend forty-five minutes introducing characters multiple times. They introduce Will Smith's character three fucking times, <laughs> and it it just drove me up the wall. I had to turn it off. But anyways, but this movie comparatively, this <laughs> one has. I think a really brilliant opening. Yes. Um, cause when you, when it begins, I'm like, cause I, I remember watching, you know, some of the trailers and seeing some of the promotional work. And so like, I didn't realize I forgot like Pete Davidson, Michael Rooker, excuse me. And, um, you know, obviously captain boomerang was back. Jai Courtney, Nathan. Um, Fillion. Yeah. Some of those obscure people. And I'm like, who the hell are all these people? I thought John Cena, I thought the shark was in this. I was like, what's going on? And then they open it up, you know, obviously with them all dying, these gruesome, horrible deaths. They all started dying. And I was like, well, what the hell is going on here? And I was hilarious. I thought Michael Rooker was about to be the main character of the movie. Yeah. I was so confused. You know, we start with him in the cell in the very beginning and I'm like, okay, like, and James Gunn loves that guy. He was in like his first couple movies. So I was like, he was okay, in, well, and he was Yandu in Guardians of the yeah. Galaxy. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, okay, he's the main character. So I didn't, I've only watched one trailer for this movie leading up to it. So I didn't really like know who was going to be the main dude. I didn't know Idris Elba was going to be, you know, as big as he was. Yeah. So at that point, I was like, okay, Michael Rooker, he's the guy. And then he just <laughs> gets his fucking head blown up. <laughs> and Pete Davidson gets his face completely like caved in i was like oh my god it was so brutal i mean mon gal gets burned alive captain boomerang gets just destroyed you think the the weasel i mean i guess it the weasel didn't say you think the weasel weasel died in the first three minutes and i was like what the hell was the point of that (laughs) but i also i love the genius of that scene like being the opening of the movie because it is a great hook to get you into the movie it's like nobody's safe at this point. Yeah, it's other, it's yeah. it's it's like showing you that, you know, the movie's not taking itself that seriously. Like, no. just have a good time. Like yeah. that's that's all the opening is. Like, 
you know, they introduce, and I love the introduction of the characters. It's so quick. It's boom, boom, boom. Yep. You know, he goes, he's just like, Blackguard, Mongal, Weasel. <laughs> you know, they just literally, they don't even tell you anything about them. They just tell you their names and then they all die. Um, they have a fun, you know, kind of banter moment on the helicopter. I love Pete Davis. This is a fucking werewolf. Like there's a, me next to a werewolf. There's some fun. Yeah. There's some fun banter on the helicopter, but <laughs> well, he's then, like, he's like, I think it, he's, he's saying like a dog breed that he thinks it is too. At Dude, one what point. kind of dog Afghan. do you think this is? He goes, I'm guessing TDK, the detachable kid. But another what hilariously. Kind of name is TDK? Uh, what, your, what kind of name is TDK? He goes, your name's just letters. All names are letters, dickhead. All names are letters. <laughs> I was like, that's true. And then when you find out his name is the detachable kid and his arms are like this and Margot Robbie goes, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That whole opening sequence is so funny. And then I, I just love how it's like, it's just a crash course into what to expect with this film. It's like, right. this is the movie. It's entertaining. We don't give a shit. It's completely uncensored. Like, just have a good time. Sit back, relax. No one is safe, like you said. And uh, then it goes to three days earlier, right? And then you're back in the prison. And you see Idris Elba. Like, okay, now now I see where this is going. Because mm-hmm. um, the before they go to the three days earlier, they say... Team two is is ready to go, and then they show them all walking onto the beach. And like, oh, they had a distracting team. Yep. So I thought that was a pretty genius opening. I loved it. Um, yeah. But kind of getting into some of the regular characters. So obviously, we mentioned we have Idris Elba as Bloodsport, uh, John Cena as Peacemaker, who is hilarious. This might be one of John Cena's best performances because um, I think I think he's allowed to just you know just ham it up i mean it, it works his because perf- most of the, most of his performances in movies that i've seen are, are you know i wouldn't i don't know if i'd say he's a bad actor but he he's just like he's, he's a cheese stiff. ball he's, he's stiff and ball. he's serious yeah. yeah so like here he's allowed to just like do these deadpan jokes and it's just it works it's a lot of fun uh sylvester stallone voices the the shark non nanue yeah, I, King I Shark. didn't know that until after we saw it. It actually makes like those moments funnier now. Knowing, knowing that it's Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> they were and probably I, like, just be yourself, man. For your yeah. I know. I, I Rocky Rocky. I read book. We <laughs> like book. Nom nom. I love you. He goes, nom nom. Could you imagine <laughs> Sylvester Stallone in the studio just going, nom nom? Like, that makes you laugh alone thinking Sylvester Stallone doing that. It probably just snuck a microphone on him while he was walking I... around. <laughs> just record his everyday activities. <laughs> I love, though, that it's kind of like, uh, it kind of parallels James Gunn's Groot character that he gets to do in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. You know, obviously, King Shark has a little bit more dialogue. He doesn't say, I am Groot. He gets to say, you know, Vin Diesel doing that. Um, I think this is Margot Robbie's best performance as Harley Quinn. Obviously, she's gotten yes. to do it, what, three I times like, now? Yeah. Um, I, I thought like she was it. pretty lame in the, in Suicide Squad 2016. Um, I liked Birds of Prey. I don't know if you guys watched Birds of Prey. I liked it a lot. Yeah, Birds of Prey was good. But I thought she was pretty good. Best. This was but this was her best one. Absolutely sure. was her best one. And... Um, you know, just kind of diving more into these characters here. Something else that I was really shocked by and impressed by. And I don't know what you guys thought about this, but James Gunn's ability, because they didn't really do this. David Ayer didn't really do this well. He tried to do it, but didn't do it well. But his ability to balance like the the dark humor, the crazy action, the the laid back, not taking itself seriously with like some emotional beats mm-hmm. and some actually pretty investing character development. 
Um, like Ratcatcher, which yeah. again, all these villains are hilarious. Their names, and I looked them up. They're all real DC villains. It's like, Ratcatcher Two. Yes, let's <laughs> Ratcatcher One, played by Taika Waititi. Yeah, in, flash, in flashbacks. That's a very comic booky thing. There's like five to six different versions of every of character and villain in the comics. Yeah, and like yeah. If you read any like comic book dictionaries, they label them as one, two, three, four. So I love that they use that in the movie. Ratcatcher 2. Oh, we couldn't get number one. She's (laughs) like, he's dead. (laughs) But I, her character had some of the best emotional beats. Like, yes. She also had one of the funniest moments when the sea of rats takes down the starfish. I was about peeing my pants laughing. (laughs) But, um, like the flashback with her dad, with Taika Waititi playing her dad, was actually pretty emotional. I was like, this is great. I'm like, this, this, they really make you care about the characters. Um, I was expecting Taika to like just be a smartass like he always is, though. So I was like waiting for a punchline or like him to just be ridiculous. But on rewatch, like I'll probably be able to like get into his actual heartfelt role a little bit more. Yeah, I, I never serious. No, I know he's. I mean, this this is the same guy who made jokes about uh, Hitler in Jojo Rabbit. Right. (laughs) Played a fictional version of Hitler as a joke. So yep. yeah, everything's a joke to him. But uh, I thought he was yeah. I thought his little performance made that character very, you know, emotional and uh, mm-hmm. kind of resonated. Uh, we gotta talk about Polka Dot Man. Oh my <laughs> gosh, another hilarious character. And his I mom. love his, his mom. mom. Oh my god! When the scene where he turns around, I see her everywhere, and all yeah. of them are are her wearing the <laughs> different costumes. I was like, oh my god. Or when the starfish turns into her. Yeah, that was the funniest moment of the movie for me when the starfish was his mom. Like, I'm glad they didn't just say it. I'm glad they showed they it. Showed like, it. Oh my, I laughed so hard when I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Turn around and he blows her ankle out with his poke yeah. bats. <laughs> oh man, what a weird character though. It's an interdimensional virus and his face yeah. like swells up with these these polka dots and he has to barf them up expect he has to expel them yep when he goes into the bushes and starts puking them everywhere (laughs) (laughs) but even that character like you kind of they do a good job developing him like he has a very short scene where he talks about his mom tried to turn all of his siblings into superheroes working at star labs and a lot of them died like like Mm -hmm. it's kind of crazy um bloods blood sport a little bit of character development too um with his daughter, obviously. I, I think that's what I liked most about this movie is they didn't spend a ton of time um, on any individual character. They gave you they yes. gave you a little bit, right? And the little bit that they gave you, I thought, was enough um, to make the movie move along in a way that you cared about the action. Because for me, um, you know, I say it all the time to people. One of my favorite things about movies are the characters. I, I need characters you know, unless it's a movie where the characters don't matter so much and that's kind of the purpose. But for a movie like this, it helps to kind of care about the characters a little bit, you know, even though it doesn't take itself too seriously. The 2016 Suicide Squad took itself very seriously. Way too serious. Spent way too much time on all these characters who were expendable and you didn't really care about. Um, You got to think a movie like this, that's just the premise of it is so stupid. Like, you got to have fun with it. I mean, I think... I can't remember which one of you said that um, you have issues with. I think it was Daniel said you have some issues with it. And I think one of its biggest issues is just the source material. I mean, it's so challenging if to take this premise and source material and turn it into a feature length film. 
And I think if you're going to do it, you got to do what James Gunn did. You got to have a lot of fun. You got to just go balls out. And when you do stuff with the characters in terms of the emotional beats, character arcs, they, they got to be, you know, they got, you got to find the right balance and they got to be just, you know, just a taste, right? Don't, don't weigh the movie down. Don't bog it down. Um, you know, spending time on all these characters that you really don't care too much about anyway. You're just having fun, you know, going back to Idris Elba real quick. I, I loved his relationship with his daughter. That was, I know that's not like, original but it's original more original than a lot of other movies are showing like well they tried to do it with deadshot with will smith's deadshot and he was like all love like lovey-dovey with his daughter and like i'm trying to be a changed man and then this movie he's like the fuck you you, you literally get out of here literally they're screaming at each other they both yeah they just have this traumatic relationship and they're both cussing at each other and i don't know i loved that like it seemed yeah. real and grounded. It, it seemed did, far it more did. grounded. It made you invest in the character more. You're like, okay. You've seen like, so many takes of the father behind the bars putting his hand on the window with his child. Yeah. It's like, we've seen that so many times. So it's they, not you know, taking itself too seriously. You know, it's... Yeah. it's if, if you really want to dissect it, obviously it's sad and traumatic, but... It's like okay, you can kind of sit back and be like, "Damn, they they like hate each other." Yeah. And like, okay, so we, you know, we're not going to take this too seriously. But then mm-hmm. there's a nice arc to their relationship by the end of the film, right? When she sees her dad on TV and she's like proud of her dad accomplishing something. And again, it's small, right? It's just a mm-hmm. taste, but it's enough to kind of like be uplifting. And it's amazing that he finds that balance because there are a few moments like that that I think are really, really great. Even there's even a really funny moment that uh, follows Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn just killing like a hundred people, and she like cries when she sees that they're coming to rescue her. Like there's yeah. a fun little moment Dude, there. That that scene with her escaping was incredible. Oh, I, I it. loved it. Absolutely. Oh my gosh! And then yeah, she gets out. And they're just like she's like, "What are you guys doing?" He's, He's like, like, "I can me. I can go back if you want." Yeah. He goes, "That's condescending." Or he goes, or he goes, he goes. Well, that's patronizing. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sequence with her escaping from uh, captivity was a ton of fun. Yeah, it was really cool. I she think gets honestly, the javelin. This is one of the most violent movies I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, just as far as oh, showing... you're not a big horror guy, though, are you? No, I'm a big horror guy. Oh, really? I've, I've horror. seen some pretty messed up. Horror I guess movies. maybe in these sort of genres, this is one of the most violent movies I've ever seen. Oh, in like a big blockbuster superhero movie. Yeah, for oh, sure. absolutely, yeah. Because even like you can't like Joker, like the DC Joker movie was actually pretty small budget. Yeah. Um, for what it was. I think it, I don't even think it was $50 million. It was actually a pretty like middle tier budget movie because it was more of like a, like a low key drama. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it was it it was a low key drama, but it was really a super villain origin story. But right, right. Um, this was more violent than that. I mean, that was pretty violent. This is way more violent. I mean, yeah, they show everything in this movie. Like, I don't know there's yeah. there's specific scenes in this that I've never seen in a movie before, as far as like fatalities and you know the the specific kinds of deaths that people have. Just crazy, uh, crazy gory stuff. <laughs> speaking of crazy gory deaths, the uh, scene where King Shark rips the guy in half at Jotunheim—that yes. was a After, practical like, effect that shoots behind him. That was a practical effect. Are you kidding? It was a prosthetic. Yeah, I was reading Ooh. up on like some of the, sp- the the behind the scenes, the making of. James Gunn claims he claims that um, I got to find. 
James Gunn. Okay, so you all three of us talked about with Lord of the Rings and even, you know, some of the other stuff that we've discussed, how much we love like sets and real tangible things in our movies. Mm -hmm. James Gunn said that he believes, I, I guess someone can go and try and verify this, but he claims the that for this movie, the biggest sets ever were built for a Warner Brothers film. I heard that. So yep, they built that. a, um, they built a set that was more than three hundred yards, three football fields long, for that Jotunheim battle scene. That was a set. They built really? that. Obviously, like the extension of the tower up was probably all CGI, but I bet you the base was real. I think the the like lower tier of that building where the steps are was probably real. Well, you know, it's um, funny you actually mentioned that because there was a scene I remember. It's when they turned back and they started um, going after you know, that, that creature. And it was a scene where they started like running next to the buildings. And I could just like tell, I was like, I bet that's a whole set. And that's awesome. Well, how they're all like running. Like, like if you remember they were, the creatures off to the left, and they were running like kind of behind buildings and you could see it off in the distance, like catching up to it. And I was like, I bet that whole thing is, is real. Oh, absolutely. Really neat. They also built, um, they, well, I think that was on location. They filmed a lot in Panama. So all like the, Stuff in Corto Maltese, which is, yeah. you know, it's a fake country. But um, I think a lot of those were on location in Panama because apparently that's where they went to film for stuff that wasn't done in studio. Um, they also built the jungle they were in was a set. It was a warehouse. They said they built a jungle into a warehouse <laughs> to do those jungle sequences. That's insane. Um, he also claimed that there was more practical effects than ever before for a blockbuster comic book film, which I bet he's right because I feel like most of the blockbuster comic fil book films these days are all CGI. So for them to use a bunch of practical effects and apparently the person ripped in half was a prosthetic. Apparently they had a stunt coordinator and they used a lot of prosthetics and real stuff. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's crazy. <laughs> um, it makes it just that much more, more, you know, more fun and you rewatch it and kind of look at some of that stuff. But um good for him i'm you know i i think it shows because the movie looks great and a lot of those deaths and kill sequences look really cool because i think they probably tried to use a lot of prosthetics and you know makeup and stuff like that instead of cgi and everything um so it looks good it's a lot of fun there's uh, there's a couple like issue uh, other issues i wanted to mention real quick yeah let's hear mikey i loved i loved the the ultra violence throughout the movie like i don't know i thought it was very stylized and showed um, new things that I hadn't seen before in, in movies like this. But there was one scene specifically where I thought it was like just too much and it kind of wrecked the moment when Rick Flagg got stabbed into the heart and they like zoomed in inside of his chest and showed his heart beating. Yeah, that was weird. I don't know I why they like, did I was that. like, man, am I supposed to think this is cool? Am I supposed to, like, I don't know. Like, th that was the only ultra violent moment in the movie where I was like, I, wrong, I wrong place, wrong time, wrong place. Well, I thought the, he was one of the biggest emotional beats in the movie. I thought. I think why they did that was to show you. So, because I, I just rewatched it today. Because I don't know if you remember. So, Peacemaker shoves that thing into his chest. He takes his other hand and hammers it into his heart. And I think that's what they're showing you is that his his second blow. It happens super fast. I actually missed it on my first watch because I remember thinking like, "Damn, there's like." They're really showing you what's happening to him. And on my rewatch today, I was like, oh, I missed him 
he takes after he he like goes like this and then takes his hand and goes boom and like punches it into his heart and that's what they show you when they zoom in is they show the the shard when he hits yeah, the second blow piercing his heart to show you like it's a fatal it's blow like, like you can assume that though you know like you yeah, stab in the chest it. like why don't why don't they show bullets like entering through people's you know chest cavities or their heads i don't know i thought i i agree with mikey it was a little weird but at the same time i could understand why they did it but i don't think they needed to keep it in there i just think yeah that was the only moment where i was like like these kills have been really cool throughout the movie but like right now this is a character i've like grown to love throughout this movie like i don't need a cool death for him like i want to feel some emotion i don't need to see john cena like stab him in the heart literally it's, i mean that's I don't know. I, I feel like they could have done that a little bit better and shown it in a different way where it was like yeah. more more respectful for the character, maybe. Yeah. I, I also think there was one there was as far as other I guess because I didn't have much beef with it. It just I don't know. Um but one scene in particular that I wish that would have been played out a little more was at the very end with um I wish it would have been more of a dramatic fight between Idris Elba and John Cena. You know, I, I don't know. I was expecting something a little more than just like them to shoot yeah. at each other and just like Ooh, I liked that though. But I mean, yeah, it, 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 so it, it would have been cool if there would have been something that led up to that a little bit more, you know, and then finish with that versus just like that and that was it. I don't know. But I think from the very get go that James Gunn, in the very opening moments of this movie, is showing you that it is not like other blockbuster comic book superhero films. That he is he is going to be very subversive uh, in everything he does. Um, and that's why I think Mikey kind of tailing off of what you just talked about. Like they make you care about that Rick flag character, but they establish from the very get go, like everyone's expendable. Yeah. Right. Um, and so even characters that you might really like, like, you know, they have some emotional beats for polka dot man and he's fucking smashed at the end of the movie. Right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think that they're just telling you, Hey, you know, don't hang on to any one of these characters. They could go at any moment. And you think peacemakers dead too, until the, the, post-credit scene um i thought they killed off john cena's character uh as well but you know why since this is just not a typical comic book film why have you know a standoff between characters i i think it's pretty great that they both measure dicks throughout the movie especially there's rewatch it today um when they first meet in jail when amanda waller introdu- introduces them Peacemaker said, or Idris Alba's character as Bloodsport yeah. goes, why did you pick him? He does the same thing that I do. He goes, I'm more dead center. I hit things more dead center. <laughs> and he goes, how do you hit things more center? He goes, smaller bullets. Yes. So I think that my that's bullet, supposed to be... He goes, my bullet holes, bullets go through your bullet holes or something like that. Yes. So I think that's reincorporation yes. uh, and like kind of a punchline at the end of the movie. He's like, How? Right, as he's dying, he's like, How? He goes, Smaller bullets. Like, it's, yeah, it's a that. yeah, it's a punchline from earlier in the film, and I think it's it's pretty great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's I can't just complain. I can't complain too much. Like, I had a blast during this movie, just oh, like too. little tidbits here and there. I was like, Ah, uh, you know, but for the most part, this was like 4.5 5 out of 5 for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. So. Before we get into to official ratings there are a couple more things i want to talk about what do you guys think about uh what do you guys think about the music so one thing that we complained about with the other suicide squad movie mike i don't daniel i don't know if you were talking with us before we started recording or if you heard this part but um 
God, the music in the original Suicide Squad has no purpose. Like, it's terrible. like they just assembled a bunch of pop music tracks just for the sake of the fact that they're pop well, music yeah, tracks. Well, there wasn't a true soundtrack, was there? Like, there was no actual there, composed yeah, they There had, was like, that guitar they, they riff like, with the... the doo -doo 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 -doo. Yeah. And then no, there no, was in, the... In the first one? In the first one? Oh, the first movie? Um, yeah, the first one. There's a bunch of, like, just random songs. They yeah, it's just random pop music. Yeah, they have Eminem songs, songs by Queen, rock and roll. Like, they they have, like, six different genres mixed throughout. It's just terrible. It's not purposeful. Yeah. None of it None of it seems to have any reason for no. being there except that's a popular song. This movie has, like, some obscure... Um, other than the Johnny Cash song that opens up during the Warner Brothers lay, um, insignia at the beginning of the movie, most of the songs in this movie... I didn't really even recognize, but I watch everything with subtitles and most, and you guys probably could hear some of the lyrics anyway. A lot of the lyrics had to do with like when the songs were being played with like what was happening in the scene. Like there's yep. a scene when they're driving, they're, they're captured by the government and the song's talking about rain and it's pouring rain on the highway. Um, so like a lot of the songs I think were pretty purposeful and they weren't like just there for the sake of being, you know, like popular songs. Like, cause I didn't really even recognize any of them other than that Johnny Cash song in the beginning. Um, and then there was a good score. There was a few good compositions. I really liked the theme, um, the guitar and the drum kind of theme. The yeah. dun -dun -dun -dun. I was going um, to say the songs for me, um, they fit well, but then they, and they didn't stand out in any certain way. Like Guardians of the Galaxy has very prominent songs. I don't think they were maybe, I don't think they were as prominent as Guardians of the Galaxy, but I oh, think yeah. the score, I think the score in this movie really stood out. Yes. I, noticed, I noticed their theme quite often throughout. Yep. As well as just, they played it uh, a few times. Yeah. I mean, I was an IMAX, so it was loud as shit. You know, <laughs> so we had like booming bass in the music um, and just different things. I, I I feel like the score was the strong, the strong part oh, of yeah. this movie, not the music. So um, unless you guys have anything else you want to add, do you guys have any final thoughts? I The music was about the last thing I kind of wanted to mention. I guess the only other thing I really want to bring up that we didn't really talk about that makes this movie stand out in terms of comparing it to the other Suicide Squad movie. Is it Milton? Um, <laughs> Milton. <laughs> Who the hell is Milton? Um, <laughs> when, um, <clears throat> or comparing this to the other Suicide Squad movie, but it fits right in line with James Gunn is, is the colors, right? And the visual. This movie is so much brighter and more yeah. vibrant, better lighting. The other Suicide Squad movie, and Mikey, you could probably attest to this, outside of like the really cheap editing like um, gimmicks that they do, most of the movie is dark and drab and gray. Dingy. It's just dingy and depressing it's, and like, yeah, and hard to look at. This movie is like the whole time. This movie is like gorgeous. It's it's like yeah. it's very reminiscent of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. How it's just like eye popping colors, lots of cool stuff with the camera, um, lots of great in camera visuals and stuff. I I just think um, you know James Gunn hell of a job with this movie and i hope dc continues to take these kind of risks with these crazy bizarre movies and i love that they let it be rated r and all balls out you know and i'll be curious to see what they do next but do you guys yeah, have any other horrible. final thoughts you want to add Just yeah be, I, I like it when when companies be bold are bold i don't know i like oh, it absolutely new 185 million dollar movie with a dick in it <laughs> I was gonna say the Starro character. I don't think any comic book fan 
ever expected to see that villain or that character on the screen. Yeah, I looked him up. He was like, his first iteration was like in the 1960s. 1960 yeah. in Brave and the Bold with Justice League of America, which is actually it's, right here. Yeah, look at that. That well, is cool. It wasn't originally a Suicide Squad uh, character. But, like, you can't put that in a Justice League movie, so James Gunn's like... It's too weird. It's too goofy. <laughs> put this colorful starfish yeah, on it. <laughs> exactly. Like, it just wouldn't yeah. fit in the Justice League movie. No, it wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If they continue with this kind of brand, maybe they can try and do something more lighthearted with the Justice League. But I felt like they tried to do it with the Joss Whedon one, and it didn't work. I don't know. Oh. Who knows? You get the right filmmaker, you never know, I guess. Yeah. Um, also, I don't think we can end this without talking about the end credit scene with uh, Weasel, real quick. Okay, yeah. So that's let's before we talk about ratings and kind of final uh, <laughs> thoughts, rankings, and stuff, whatever. Let's talk about the end credit scenes because uh, we kind of brought up Weasel briefly earlier. I think Daniel mentioned it. <laughs> um, you think he's dead at the beginning of the movie, and then the <laughs> they after they show the final title sequence before the credits start. All of a sudden, they cut to Weasel just laying there on the beach, and it's seemingly not that long after he had supposedly died because it's still dark on the island, unless it's right. days later. I don't know. And it just happens to be night, but all of a sudden, he starts coughing and sputtering, and he sits up. He's like, he starts waddling away. Yeah, that thing is so waddle. ugly with his eyeballs yeah. going yeah. like this. So, I guess James Gunn's brother, uh, Sean Gunn. Yeah, he did the motion cap for that character. And the and the noises. I think he made the noises, too. Oh, my God. That's yeah. Dude, it, it, it reminded me of like that Smeagol from The Lord of the Rings. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I, just something weird. I laughed so hard at that scene. I think that scene and then when the uh, when Starro turned into that guy's mom, those were the two <laughs> scenes I laughed at the hardest. Just hysterical. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Well, and then we got to talk about the post-credit scene. And that's kind of, unless you guys have any other thoughts, we can kind of wrap it up with this. But uh, John Cena, as Peacemaker, thought to be dead, somehow survives a bullet to the throat. Uh, I guess we'll suspend our level of you know, disbelief there. I, I don't know how he can survive a bullet to the throat, but apparently he does. And he's in ICU. Uh, they find his body in the rubble. Apparently he didn't bleed out. Um, and they have a confirmed TV show. With yes. his character. Do you guys know this? You know this? Yeah, like, James yeah. Gunn has written and directed it, and it has Yep, it's well. already done. Yep. It's already done. So it's going to be called Peacemaker. It's going to be on HBO Max. It's a spinoff series that's going to be after this movie and a prequel for the character. It's going to kind of go back and forth. But yeah, it's uh, set to premiere January of next year. So in, you know, like five less than five months here it's supposed to be coming out so i'm looking forward to it especially with gun um gun wrote every single episode yeah. uh, he's one of the producers and creators and i think he directed half of the episodes okay so it's basically his love child i mean i trust james gun at this point i don't think he can do any wrong so and i think if it's if it's as unadulterated uncensored as this movie i think it's gonna be a blast I think it has to be. You can't censor that character now after you've already no. shown that he is like super violent and like foul mouth. Like you can't censor him. So it's probably going to be very adult. Literally, look at the poster for this thing. Oh, it's oh, probably not going to work because it's too bright. Him and his whitey tighties. No, it's <laughs> I don't even. Well, here, let me try this here. This might work better. That was hilarious. <laughs> 
Nice. It says fuck <laughs> the peacemaker. <laughs> or it says no, it says fuck, it's peacemaker. That's the poster <laughs> for the show. Only on HBO Max. So they really must be going, you know, just as crazy as they did with the movie. Oh, so I'm ex- awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited. When he was in his whitey tighties in the movie, I, I also just died during that scene. <laughs> what the hell is that about? He goes, You're in your whitey tighties. He was like, That's racist. That's racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, all right. So Mikey, you kind of already said you would put this as your number one. DCEU, you said like you say four and a half or even a perfect rating? Yeah, I'm kind of back and forth. I'd say like I probably would say four and a half to 4.75. It's currently number one on my letterbox for the DCEU, but I think it can can fluctuate with Man of Steel for me. They're just so they're two different movies. Um, But I don't know. I had a blast watching this. So, (laughs) Danny boy, how high would you put it? I know we did rank when we did the Justice League. We all did our rankings. Yeah, I mean, if this was, I'd say, as far, I'd say, Man of Steel and the uh, Snyder Cut of Justice League. I'd say maybe, maybe take the cake. But then I'd say it's easily the third best, maybe even tied for second. Um, I'd give it probably about because even those movies, like as good as I, as much as I like Man of Steel, like that's not a ten out of ten movie by any means. Um, I'd say that's probably around a nine. And this one's probably around an eight, maybe eight and a half, I'd say, um, somewhere in that ballpark there. But it was definitely fun. I'd, I'd definitely watch it again versus three quarters of the uh, DC movies that have come out so far. So what about yourself, Vincent? Yeah, I got this at number two. I loved Zack Snyder's Justice League, as you guys probably remember when we did that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, That's my favorite. I really want to rewatch it. It's just a matter of finding four hours. uh, Unless I split it in half. Because I think, wasn't there an intermission, if I remember? So I might, could split it up. Uh, But even to find two hours and two hours. um, Maybe soon. But uh, yeah, I got this one as number two. Um, I loved it. I, I don't think it's a perfect movie. I don't know if it would ever be a perfect movie for me. Just because, and it's nothing that James Gunn did wrong. It, to me, it's just the source material for for what yeah. I want out of yeah. a perfect film. I just don't think, for me personally, you could make a perfect movie out of the Suicide Squad because for me, I really want like a core one, two, or three like characters that you can really invest in. And there's just so many, but that's okay for what this is. Um, but I think for what it is, it's it's almost perfect. I, I that's mean, what I would, I mean, that's what I would say too. Yeah, say, for, for what it is. Much, for the source material, what they had to work with, it was pretty darn good. But an over, I mean, and this is just personal bias, like you were talking about, you know, for an overall movie that I think is, you know, perfect or, or very good. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't take the cake for me. But, oh, yeah. but given I, what it, well, I would, yeah, I would be like nine, like right around a nine. I don't think I would go up to a nine and a half. I think I'm, I'm hanging right at about a nine. I, I think it's about as perfect as a Suicide Squad movie can be for what it is. I just don't think you can get much better than this for what it is. I mean, okay, okay. So before we hang up here, I guess this is just my this is just movies in general. What is a perfect movie? Is there a perfect movie? Um, I know that's always a, th- a thing that Citizen I talk Kane. about with people. What's that? Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane is a great movie. I've watched it a couple times. It's actually really great. I like that movie a lot. Um, I think for what that movie is, that is a perfect movie in its time for what it is. Um, but. To me, a perfect movie falls on a couple things. Um, does it work for what it's trying to go for? Right? Um, you know, like, 
because a perfect comic book movie isn't the same as like the godfather you know like to me like the godfather godfather 2 like those are perfect films for for gangster movies or all-time great movies you know um something like breaking bad which isn't a movie it's a show like like that to me is like a perfect tv show like there's nothing you need to change about like i think everything it hits is perfect um you know it's a wonderful life to me is a perfect movie like for a inspirational holiday classic you can't get more perfect right i I think it's a matter of opinion too like for me i always because i as you guys know i watch a lot of old movies i watch a lot of silent films because i teach a film class so i'm always trying to watch more and more silent films so i always try to watch movies in a vacuum you know as i get into older films you know what what did they have access to for the time you know are they being as creative as possible as they can be for that time like a movie a movie like citizen kane was so ahead of its time because no one else at that time was doing things with the camera like orson wells did he stuck the camera in the floor of sets and did the um um, there's a name for it. There's an industry term when you have an upward angle with the camera from down on the floor. I can't remember what it's called, but he like yeah. was one of the first people to ever do that. People just weren't doing things like that. So, and if you want to get back to the movie that we're talking about right now, the suicide squad, how many $185 million blockbuster comic book films do you see that are this bold over the top blood and guts and, and killing off the characters, having a blast. Like, you know, I just think for me, it's, it's, about intent it's about intent and execution that's the same Um, for me that's how i rate movies as well yeah and i is there really a perfect movie it's just a matter of opinion i think i don't know right right no and i completely agree and like you said each genre of movies i think has certain check you know check boxes or um you know certain boxes that you have to check off in order to meet that criteria so yeah obviously you know and a comedy you know, it's going to have different criteria than an action film. And same goes for all these other types of genres and stuff, to, too. To me, um, Jurassic Park is a perfect movie. Yeah, Jurassic Park. For a blockbuster monster movie, it's perfect. Like, it, it knows Steven Spielberg knew what he was doing with that movie. He knew exactly what it was. And he, not only did he know what it was and take that book. I've read the book. Michael Crichton's book is uh, actually far more violent. And if they had adapted it, directly would have been rated r it's super messed up the book very different it's super the- messed up yeah steven spielberg cut some things out a lot of things out um but he knew how to take that source material and just make it into a crowd-pleasing blockbuster film while also pushing the limits of what you could do in terms of special effects practical effects all of that so i think that's another element too like with yep. what you have available and what you're trying to do are you being creative you know are you pushing the limit of the the medium because to me, one of the biggest crimes for a movie, in terms of a bad movie, is to be visually boring. You want to hear because my opinion? that's the medium. That's the medium. It's visual, right? So you if know, you have a visually boring movie, what's the point? You, you know, know a movie. You know a movie that's going to shock you that I think is is is. I wouldn't put it in like my top ten, but as far as what it's going for and the again checking off the number of criteria that I think is like almost a perfect movie it's uh i don't know i guess i'm not gonna have you guys best but the first men in black oh dude yeah that's really? a great yeah. movie first men in black <laughs> oh, yeah, is it's a absolutely great movie. incredible it's dude, incredible i showed that um i did obscure comic book films as a month of movies in my film club at grand Lynch high school and that was one of the ones i showed i showed the mask i showed men in black i showed scott pilgrim versus the world and i showed the crow 
Four like, movies all based on comic books, but they're super obscure. It was yeah. a really fun, but weird that, month. That Men in Black but yeah, movie, Men in Black is great. If, if, dude. if you're if you're if you're going if you're that that director, you know, on the writer and, and whatever and producer, and you're going for something, it's Barry there's, Barry Sonnefeld. Barry Sonnefeld. There's yeah, there's nothing more you could add to that or take away from it that would make it better, in my opinion. Like that is that it was a perfect yeah. movie. It's I really it. like that movie a lot. Visually stimulating. It's got a good soundtrack. The add the character. Oh, the original score. Was, Tim Burton. Yeah. Or not Tim Burton, Danny Elfman, who works with Tim Burton, did the score for that. The music is great. It's incredible. It's so good. And just like like you mentioned, the color. I can hear you talking about it. I can hear the theme in my (laughs) head for that movie. Yep. The opening theme when the the mosquito or the or uh fire firefly dragonfly dragonfly it's dragonfly it's flying around it's really great yeah dude it's great. And that's a movie that has great prosthetics, special yeah. effects, like makeup and stuff too. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's got humor in it. It's got you know some serious. Mo- it's I mean it's if you want a movie that's got a lot of stuff in it, like it is, it's up there. Like, oh it's, it's yeah, really good. and it's, and it's, it's super under, weird. It's under the radar too. It's under the radar in my opinion, as far as like like in current movies. in current times, it is for sure. In the two thousand, yeah. I mean that was big. Oh, yeah. It's for, super yeah. weird though too. Yeah. Oh, it's so we, weird. Talking about the Suicide Squad, which is a weird yeah. blockbuster. That's a really, but I you go back to the nineties. I feel like, you know, before the last 10 to 20 years, you were getting more bizarre blockbuster, like major studio films took more risks. Studios don't take as many risks anymore. You know, yeah. it's just the way it is, but yeah, I don't know. That's a really interesting question. What makes perfect film? I, again, I just think it goes back to intent. You know, are you, are you, you know, visually, are you trying I, and you can't try too hard. Like, cause I think there are movies that visually yeah. try too hard. They get to be pretentious or like, visually obnoxious because it's like okay dude like do you really got to do all this yeah. like some movies don't need that right. you know a movie like dumb and dumber <laughs> sit back i think speaking of dumb and dumber nice right that's there, awesome right there one of my favorite movies of all time i think it's pretty much perfect for what it is you know yeah. sip slapstick comedy sit back let jeff daniels and jim carrey do all the work that's yep. really all you need so i just again it just depends yeah. on the movie the genre it what they're going for totally depends on yeah exactly what you and said. i wouldn't say a movie like dumb and dumber is better than a movie like casablanca or pulp fiction you know what i mean it's like i would call them like both perfect movies for their genre what they are but exactly yeah and that, yeah yeah i feel like i feel like my like two perfect movies are the departed and alien like Departed oh, probably. Those are both of my favorite all time favorites. Departed <laughs> isn't probably even in my top ten, but like as a movie and its structure, I like that movie's just phenomenal. And Alien Alien is one of my favorite movies. Oh, Mike, I know you love the Alien Universe. Oh, it's so like, good. I, I knew it, yeah. You know what other movie I think is very good too? Um and it, once again it's got a great score. Not as visually stimulating, but it's it takes place again with Tommy Lee Jones, but it takes place more in a real life setting is the fugitive with Harrison Ford. Oh, I think man, that's a I, phenomenal movie. I don't know if I've ever watched the movie all the way through, dude. It's 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 really good. It's like it's again. It, it's there's nothing visually stimulating about it. I I have it on DVD right here, and I don't think I've ever. Nice. Uh, I don't think I've ever actually watched. Pop it, it in, man. It's uh, it's know, it's really good. Um, I think I picked it up for like a couple bucks one time, and just never got around <laughs> to watch it. Yeah, I know that's one I've always I've I think I've seen clips of it on TV. I've never sat down and watched. It. I really got to check it out. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, guys, that was kind of a fun, random conversation to end uh, our talk here on the Suicide yeah. Squad. Um, 
I hope you enjoyed listening. Hopefully you watched the movie. If you did not, it is streaming currently on HBO Max, The Suicide Squad. Not Suicide Squad, The Suicide Squad 2021, written and directed by James Gunn. Not 2016, written and directed by David Ayer. Make sure you know that important distinction. Um, thanks again for listening. Ohio State. <laughs> the Ohio State. <laughs> thanks again for listening along, Mikey and Daniel. Thanks for joining me. We'll be back again with another episode very soon. Actually, as soon as I get off with these guys here, or as soon as I finish or stop recording, I'm going to talk to these guys about we got to do our next Lord of the Rings episode. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting that recorded and uh, probably later this year, maybe early next year, talk about The Hobbit because now with the show not coming out till uh, next fall, we got a lot of time now. So. Uh, well, stay tuned for that it'll be out at some point uh, who knows when but it'll be out soon uh thanks again i'm vince film nerd podcast with guests mikey bear daniel middleton go watch some movies <laughs>